0: Chapters 1 to 3 of Book 7 of History of Animals by Aristotle translated by Darcy Wentworth Thompson This LibriVox recording is in the public domain 1 As to man's growth first within his mother's womb and afterward to old age the course of nature in so far as man is specially concerned is after the following manner. And, by the way, the difference of male and female, and of their respective organs, has been dealt with heretofore. When twice seven years old, in the most of cases, the male begins to engender seed, and at the same time hair appears upon the pubes, in like manner, so Alcmeon of Croton remarks, as plants, first blossom and then seed. About the same time the voice begins to alter, getting harsher and more uneven, neither shrill as formerly, nor deep as afterward, nor yet of any even tone, but like an instrument whose strings are frayed and out of tune. And it is called, by way of byword, the bleat of the billy-goat. Now this breaking of the voice is the more apparent in those who are making trial of their sexual powers. For in those who are prone to lustfulness the voice turns into the voice of a man, but not so in the continent. For if a lad strive diligently to hinder his voice from breaking, as some do of those who devote themselves to music, The voice lasts a long while unbroken, and may even persist with little change. And the breasts swell, and likewise the private parts, altering in size and shape. And, by the way, at this time of life, those who try by friction to provoke emission of seed are apt to experience pain as well as voluptuous sensations. At the same age in the female, the breasts swell, and the so-called catamenia commence to flow, and this fluid resembles fresh blood. There is another discharge, a white one, by the way, which occurs in girls even at a very early age, more especially if their diet be largely of a fluid nature, and this malady causes arrest of growth and loss of flesh. In the majority of cases the catamenia are noticed by the time the breasts have grown to the height of two fingers' breadth. In girls, too, about this time, the voice changes to a deeper note. For while in general the woman's voice is higher than the man's, so also the voices of girls are pitched in a higher key than the elder women's, just as the boys are higher the men's, and the girls' voices are shriller than the boys, and a maid's flute is tuned sharper than a lad's. Girls of this age have much need of surveillance, for then in particular they feel a natural impulse to make usage of the sexual faculties that are developing in them, so that unless they guard against any further impulse beyond that inevitable one, which their bodily development of itself supplies, even in the case of those who abstain altogether from passionate indulgence, they contract habits which are apt to continue into later life. For girls who give way to wantonness grow more and more wanton, and the same is true of boys, unless they be safeguarded from one temptation and another. For the passages become dilated, and set up a local flux or running. And besides this, the recollection of pleasure associated with former indulgence creates a longing for its repetition. Some men are congenitally impotent, owing to structural defect, and in like manner, women also may suffer from congenital incapacity. Both men and women are liable to constitutional change, growing healthier or more sickly, or altering in the way of leanness, stoutness, and vigor. Thus, after puberty, some lads, who were thin before, grow stout and healthy, and the converse also happens. And the same is equally true of girls. For when in boy or girl the body is loaded with superfluous matter, then, when such superfluities are got rid of in the spermatic or catamenial discharge, their bodies improve in health and condition, owing to the removal of what had acted as an impediment to health and proper nutrition. But in such as are of opposite habit their bodies become emaciated and out of health, for then the spermatic discharge in the one case and the catamenial flow in the other take place at the cost of natural healthy conditions. Furthermore, in the case of maidens the condition of the breasts is diverse in different individuals, FOR THEY ARE SOMETIMES QUITE BIG AND SOMETIMES LITTLE, AND AS A GENERAL RULE THEIR SIZE DEPENDS ON WHETHER OR NO THE BODY WAS BURTHENED IN CHILDHOOD WITH SUPERFLUOUS MATERIAL. FOR WHEN THE SIGNS OF WOMANHOOD ARE NIGH BUT NOT COME, THE MORE THERE BE OF MOISTURE THE MORE WILL IT CAUSE THE BREASTS TO SWELL EVEN TO THE BURSTING POINT, AND THE RESULT IS THAT THE BREASTS REMAIN DURING AFTER-LIFE OF THE bulk THAT THEY THEN ACQUIRED. And among men the breasts grow more conspicuous and more like to those of women, both in young men and old, when the individual temperament is moist and sleek, and the reverse of sinewy, and all the more among the dark-complexioned than the fair. At the outset, until the age of one and twenty, the spermatic discharge is devoid of fecundity. Afterwards it becomes fertile, but young men and women produce undersized and imperfect progeny, as is the case also with the common run of animals. Young women conceive readily, but having conceived their labor in childbed is apt to be difficult. The frame fails of reaching its full development, and ages quickly in men of intemperate lusts, and in women who become mothers of many children." for it appears to be the case that growth ceases when the woman has given birth to three children. Women of a lascivious disposition grow more sedate and virtuous after they have borne several children. After the age of twenty-one women are fully ripe for childbearing, but men go on increasing in vigour. When the spermatic fluid is of a thin consistency it is infertile. When granular it is fertile and likely to produce male children but when thin and unclotted it is apt to produce female offspring. And it is about this time of life that in men the beard makes its appearance. 2. The onset of the catamenia in women takes place towards the end of the month, and on this account the wise acres assert that the moon is feminine, because the discharge in women and the waning of the moon happen at one and the same time. And after the wane and the discharge— Both one and the other grow whole again. In some women, the catamenia occur regularly but sparsely every month, and more abundantly every third month. With those in whom the ailment lasts but a little while, two days or three, recovery is easy. But where the duration is longer, the ailment is more troublesome, for women are ailing during these days, and sometimes the discharge is sudden and sometimes gradual but in all cases alike there is bodily distress until the attack be over. In many cases at the commencement of the attack, when the discharge is about to appear, there occur spasms and rumbling noises within the womb until such time as the discharge manifests itself. Under natural conditions it is after recovery from these symptoms that conception takes place in women, and women, In whom the signs do not manifest themselves for the most part remain childless. But the rule is not without exception, for some conceive in spite of the absence of these symptoms, and these are cases in which a secretion accumulates, not in such a way as actually to issue forth, but in amount equal to the residuum left in the case of childbearing women after the normal discharge has taken place and some conceive while the signs are on but not afterwards, those namely in whom the womb closes up immediately after the discharge. In some cases the menses persist during pregnancy up to the very last, but the result in these cases is that the offspring are poor, and either fail to survive or grow up weakly. In many cases, owing to excessive desire arising either from youthful impetuosity or from lengthened abstinence, prolaption of the womb takes place, and the catamenia appear repeatedly, thrice in the month until conception occurs, and then the womb withdraws upwards again to its proper place. As we have remarked above, the discharge is wont to be more abundant in women than in the females of any other animals. In creatures that do not bring forth their young alive, nothing of the sort manifests itself, this particular superfluity being converted into bodily substance. And, by the way, in such animals, the females are sometimes larger than the males, and moreover, the material is used up sometimes for scutes and sometimes for scales. And sometimes for the abundant covering of feathers, whereas in the vivipara possessed of limbs it is turned into hair and into bodily substance, for man alone among them is smooth skinned, and into urine, for this excretion is in the majority of such animals thick and copious. Only in the case of women is the superfluity turned into a discharge instead of being utilized in these other ways. There is something similar to be remarked of men, for in proportion to his size man emits more seminal fluid than any other animal, for which reason man is the smoothest of animals. Especially such men as are of a moist habit and not over corpulent, and fair men in greater degree than dark. It is likewise with women, for in the stout great part of the excretion goes to nourish the body, in the act of intercourse, women of a fair complexion discharge a more plentiful secretion than the dark, and furthermore a watery and pungent diet conduces to this phenomenon. Three. It is a sign of conception in women when the place dry immediately after intercourse. If the lips of the orifice be smooth, conception is difficult, for the matter slips off, and if they be thick it is also difficult. But if on digital examination the lips feel somewhat rough and adherent, and if they be likewise thin, then the chances are in favor of conception. Accordingly, if conception be desired, we must bring the parts into such a condition as we have just described. But if on the contrary we want to avoid conception, then we must bring about a contrary disposition. Wherefore, since if the parts be smooth, conception is prevented. Some anoint that part of the womb on which the seed falls with oil of cedar, or with ointment of lead, or with frankincense, commingled with olive oil. If the seed remain within for seven days, then it is certain that conception has taken place, for it is during that period that what is known as effluxion takes place. In most cases the menstrual discharge recurs for some time after conception has taken place, its duration being mostly thirty days in the case of a female, and about forty days in the case of a male child. After parturition also it is common for the discharge to be withheld for an equal number of days, but not in all cases with equal exactitude. After conception And when the above-mentioned days are passed, the discharge no longer takes its natural course, but finds its way to the breasts and turns to milk. The first appearance of milk in the breasts is scant in quantity and, so to speak, cobwebby, or interspersed with little threads. And when conception has taken place, there is apt to be a sort of feeling in the region of the flanks, which in some cases quickly swell up a little, especially in thin persons, and also in the groin. In the case of male children the first movement usually occurs on the right-hand side of the womb, and about the fortieth day, but if the child be a female, then on the left-hand side, and about the ninetieth day. However we must by no means assume this to be an accurate statement of fact, for there are many exceptions in which the movement is manifested on the right-hand side though a female child be coming, and on the left-hand side, though the infant be a male. And in short, these and all such-like phenomena are usually subject to differences that may be summed up as differences of degree. About this period the embryo begins to resolve into distinct parts, it having hitherto consisted of a flesh-like substance, without distinction of parts. What is called effluxion is a destruction of the embryo, within the first week, while abortion occurs up to the fortieth day, and the greater number of such embryos as perish do so within the space of these forty days. In the case of a male embryo aborted at the fortieth day, if it be placed in cold water, it holds together in a sort of membrane, but if it be placed in any other fluid, it dissolves and disappears. If the membrane be pulled to bits, the embryo is revealed, as big as one of the large kind of ants, and all the limbs are plain to see, including the penis and the eyes also, which, as in other animals, are of great size. But the female embryo, if it suffer abortion during the first three months, is as a rule found to be undifferentiated. If, however, it reach the fourth month, it comes to be subdivided and quickly attains further differentiation. In short, while within the womb the female infant accomplishes the whole development of its parts more slowly than the male, and more frequently than the man-child takes ten months to come to perfection. But after birth the females pass more quickly than the males through youth and maturity and age, and this is especially true of those that bear many children, as indeed I have already said. End of Chapter Three.